Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured UEFA Europa match number two versus Bado Glimpt, and Premier League match number nine versus Liverpool. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you? I'm doing all right. It was a good week for Arsenal, that's for sure. It, it was, certainly was. <laughs> Well, let's uh, start with some follow-up. Uh, I want to issue a redundant apology about sound quality. After I apologized last time when we were done recording, I checked and noticed, oh, whoops, I was still using the, the wrong input like I did the time before, only the time before I intended to. So this time you should hear my dulcet tones and, and all the quality that I can muster. So um, next, I am going to play a clip nice and clear that someone recorded off of YouTube with the camera going through the audience, getting some nice close-ups, singing the mystery chant that we struggled to identify. Uh, Keith identified it after we ended last week. He uh, listened to the section of the game that I highlighted and was able to identify it with greater context. So here's what it sounds like. So yeah, the lyrics uh, are on the video. There'll be a link in the show notes, but basically we've got Super Mick Arteta. He knows exactly what we need. Kieran in the back, Gabby on attack, and Arsenal on the way to Champions League. Um, I did not try to sing it. Uh, singing is beyond my abilities right now, but uh, that, that makes sense. Uh, my, my question to you about that, Keith, is when they say Gabby on attack, um, when did this chant start and how many Gabrielles were currently playing for Arsenal at the time? Uh, the, the, the chant definitely, it makes an appearance in All or Nothing. So it was definitely from last season. Uh, sort of the, so there were the, only two last season, I guess. Right. So you're only dealing with the two. And, and it's, you know, it's Tierney in the back and Gabby in attack. Well, that means it must be Martinelli. Yeah. Who I think is included because he's just because it, it sort of flows nicely. The other one being Gabriel, the defender, which, of course, he's not an attack. Although I say that he, I think, led... Yeah, he said he led all center backs in the Premier League in goals last year. So, you know, for a def defensive player. Yeah, right. Well, well exactly. It, yeah, it confuses a little bit. He, he is a goal scorer. <laughs> yes, for a defender. Uh, yeah, so. I, I'm pretty sure it refers to Martinelli. And then, of course, we've since added Gabriel Jesus. We were apparently over the summer linked to another Brazilian, Gabriel. That's the other fun part. They're all Brazilians, too. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a delightful little moment at the end of the Liverpool game where the the three, at least two of them were talking to the Liverpool keeper, Alisson, and another one of Liverpool's players who was also Brazilian. So there were a lot of Brazilians on the field on Sunday. Hmm, yeah. Which, which I guess makes sense. They're Brazil. This is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moving along to Europa match number two. This was on Thursday, October 6th. The final score was Arsenal 3 to nil for Bado Glimpt which was the first clean sheet I can remember in a while. We haven't had one <laughs> in at least a couple of weeks, I don't think, right? Uh, maybe. There was the international break thrown in as well, so I think we had one for yeah. the break. Was it Bournemouth, maybe? You know, we had just all of a sudden we've had just enough games where it all kind of blends together. Yeah, that's true. So early on, um, Vieira was injured, and I, I noticed that it wasn't called a foul, even though the studs from the opposing player, whoever hit him, did actually hit him. Um, do you remember that play? Were you able to comment on why that might not have been called a foul? Um, so, so I have to say, in terms of watching this one, uh, because Europa League matches are midday, I was in the office, and there were parts of the game where I was technically in a meeting. 
Uh, and by technically, I mean it was a virtual Zoom <laughs> meeting. So, uh, uh, right. so there there were parts of it. I was able to catch the goals. I was actually uh, driving. So I actually was leaving and talking to some people for part of it as well. I, I did not see the injury. I, I actually have to say I didn't even know he was hurt because I saw him playing out the end of the game. Which yeah, he uh, wasn't seriously hurt. He did come back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I did not see the play in question, and the highlight packages I found did not mention any injury. None of the recaps I saw mentioned an injury. So yeah, it makes me think that whatever it was, um, you know, maybe was it, I mean, was the ball close by? Maybe was it, you know? An- I need to start writing down timestamps more. I started for <laughs> for one thing that we probably won't end up talking about later, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember anymore either. The uh, Liverpool match has supplanted. It in my yes, as as, part, as it so. should. It was a much more interesting <laughs> game. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have to say that's true. You know, we, we sort of—I mean, we were pretty declarative about that last week, right? With the with the Tottenham game and the the studs into into it was Martinelli's ankle. Um, again, without seeing it, I couldn't say it's it. It is one of those. The more you watch, you start to develop a feel for what mm-hmm. is or is not a foul. So it, it could just be one of those. Could just be one of those. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, for the first goal, I thought it was amusing. Um, <laughs> the way that Tierney bounced it off the post. He, it was a really hard slam, uh, mm. a goal attempt from his. And then um, Nikedia got it the rest of the way in. So who, who gets the assist on that, Tierney or the post? <laughs> um, you know, I was trying to look it up, actually, because my first instinct was, no, they don't give assist to the post. But I did notice, I all I could find for... All I can find from UEFA's website is that Tierney did pick has an assist in the Europa League, and I couldn't. Okay. I, but I couldn't figure out. It, they wouldn't say which game it was in. So I, I you right. know, there there is a world potentially where he gets the assist. I suppose. Um, well, that was really the the actual yeah. non punny question. Well, right. Did he get an yeah. assist for that or not? When the poll, you know, I, I I have to say I don't know. It, assists are weird. We talked about it. They're kept as a stat, but like if you look at the score sheet, all it will say is the goal. Uh, whereas you know, right. our comparison, our comparison point here is hockey, where you'll see them listed every goal and the assists are all. That's part of how you describe what happened. So in soccer, they just don't do that. Which, in moments like this, I find very annoying. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, maybe he maybe he did. I don't I don't recall the the opener against <laughs> Zurich. Uh, so I don't recall if he picked up an assist there, uh, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, I suppose it's possible. I mean, yeah, you're right. Just a rocket off the post and and. In Kenya's follow-up, that's a that's a really hard play to make. Like it's actually sure. really difficult to do that. Well, because you don't know which direction the ball's gonna come to you. You probably didn't even know that it was gonna come to him in the first place. And then when it does, it's a ricochet. Yeah, and it's and it's coming so hard. You know, you're the and you saw yeah. there were a couple instances. I think a few minutes before that, I think Vieira cracked one off the crossbar. Uh, a few in close shots go up over and out. I mean it. When you're that close, it's actually it's much easier than you think to miss at that close range. And so, you know, Inkedi is a goal scorer. This is what he does. He does. He's you know a very smart player. Does a really good job with his positioning. Gets in in the places. And and you know that's a that's a class finish. That's a really good goal. Sure. So I mean, overall, there isn't really much to say about this match. It was, it was a blowout. I mean, it was funny. I was pointing out my father-in-law was in the room. He, he was on his iPad watching something else, but um, I'd point out because he's into other sports. But so I point out when when something happened, and I was pointing out to him how this is basically Arsenal's B team. There are only I think two starters or so on the field, not more than three. 
And they were still so dominant. It really gives you a sense of, of how far down the totem pole uh, the Bado Glimt team is. Um, but specifically, uh, a couple things I wanted to note and ask about. Uh, the, the first half was the most boring half I've ever seen for a goalkeeper. I don't think Matt Turner had to block a single goal. Yeah, he he. It was pretty quiet. He did have a couple of good saves, at least certainly in the second half. Um, yeah, in the, in the second did, half, he definitely earned his keep. But yeah, yeah. Ar- I mean, Arsenal <laughs> got a little. From the sound of it, that was part of the game I actually really missed. I, it sounded a bit they got a little lazy, a little sloppy. Arteta probably not too thrilled, made a few subs, and they kind of mm-hmm. seized control, re-seized control of the game from there. I mean, you're right to talk about the sort of the, the a gulf in in what they will call class between the the two sides, talent wise. But Bodo Glimt actually is. I was looking them up before the game. They actually, the last couple of years, they've, they've had a few pretty solid results in European play, and, and we're going to play them on Thursday. I mean, I expect right. a much better game from them up in Norway. I, I expect that to go, I, I don't think, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I mean, if you told me we're going to win 2-1, yeah, I would take that right now, easily. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're they're a pretty solid team. Yeah, it, it was also amazing. I noticed during, like, they'd show the corner of Emirates where they had, it seems like every single fan of the opposing team all jammed into one corner. Is that something that they usually do? I don't remember ever noticing that before during a match. Yes, and, and you'll see that with some of the highlights, too. That is the away section. Soccer fans are extremely yeah. segregated in the stands. A lot of that stems from... <laughs> from their own safety. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that stems from the stuff we talked about, about hooliganism and that kind of thing. It's, it's a remnant of that. That, but it's also nice, you know, to you, you get to be with your own fans. You'll notice particularly there are police right. on the on the sides of their sections. Um, okay. So so yeah, that's that's partly where it is. That's the visiting section. I'm you know a team like Bodo Glimts. I'm you know there's not really going to be a lot of animosity. It's a bunch of Norwegians. You know everybody's mm-hmm. happy to see them. Uh, for <laughs> Liverpool, for Liverpool right. though, that's going to be a bit different. And you'll notice particularly on the. On Arsenal's first half goals, and you'll see on Liverpool scored in the second half, you can see the section that is or is not cheering. It's actually really clear. Go and watch the highlights, and oh. you can see who's cheering, who isn't. And that's always the away section at at, at uh, the Emirates. Uh, and you can usually sure. find the Arsenal fans on the any away games, and you can find where they are. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does also add to the atmosphere. We should I should point out because they are they're going to be singing and chanting and because they're all jammed together, it actually, it amplifies their sound a bit. So it's, it does add to the atmosphere and you can really hear the visiting fans to a certain extent. Well, what I think from an acoustic point of view, I think what also probably assists with that is I've noticed, especially with the super make Arteta chant that I was trying to identify for so long. And even now that I know the words, I'm trying to follow along in my head as they're chanting. And you notice the stadium is so big that it takes the sound long enough to travel from one section to another of it. You hear different enclaves singing out of unison <laughs> with each other because there's so many of them in such a wide area. Whereas it, with all the Bodo Glimt fans all tucked into the corner, yeah, like they're all in unison. They're all that close. Oh, yeah. And and, and, and the real comparison point, you see this a lot in, in college sports, especially college football will, which will have a dedicated visitor section, especially when you talk about big time teams with the huge fan bases, you know, that's how you, you know, not that they expect the same kind of trouble, but it's it's just easier for everybody sometimes if the visiting fans get their own section and, and that's that's that. Right. 
Uh, last question. This is actually something that I didn't consciously note until my father-in-law asked the question during this match, but I noticed, I think it was Xhaka at one point was the one wearing it at the time that I noticed it. And I think it, I don't remember who he passed it on to or took it from, but there, there was a yellow armband. I know what the Premier League, what I'm, what I'm assuming is the Premier League captain's band. I'm, I'm now, I think, realizing what it is. Um, I know what that looks like. And then is, is this a different armband for to mark who's the captain during the Europa play? It, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it looks like. I think they've... I think the competition issues the armband and the I I mean the idea of the captain's armband is that the especially the the referee can see who the captain is. I, I, I suspect I guess Europa League decided they want a bright yellow one. Uh the Premier League has their pretty standard, it looks like a black and white one. Um Yeah. Yeah, so different competitions will use different things. Sometimes they'll have messages displayed on them depending on it, you know, if there's some special thing about the weekend or the, the games that week. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is definitely more than just the word captain. Otherwise, I would have noticed the word captain on it. <laughs> right. Sometimes it'll say Europa League. It's funny, actually, if you look, if it's interesting if you go to uh, some other leagues, like like Major League Soccer, the teams all actually design their own captain's armbands. So it's kind of interesting. So they'll have mm. all sorts of certain colors or symbols, things that'll stand out or, you know, that have some resonance for the fan base or for the, the, the team. And, uh, team. So it's, it, but yeah, the Premier League keeps that pretty standard. And I suspect you're... Yeah, the continental competitions, they do so as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. While we're on the topic, if it's quick to address, and let me know if not, we'll save it for another time. But I've been meaning to ask you what the role of the captain really is. Like, it occurs to me right now to ask, why would the referee need to be able to identify the captain so readily? So officially, the captain is the only player who is allowed to speak with the referee. Oh, okay. Officially, and and typically, if the referee needs to explain right. something to the team, now, but as you'll notice, I, you know, everybody talks to the yeah. referee, including people, players who shouldn't. Right. There are you get some rule sticklers who will say thing, you know, who will say he should start handing out cards for all the complaining. You're rarely ever going to see that, but yes, te- technically, right. the and this goes back to like the early days of the game. The captains are the ones who speak to the referee. He gives them the ground rules, which are the same rules as always. Um, you'll see them pregame. Yeah. <laughs> They'll flip a coin for kickoff. Um, the cap, sort right. of like a you know captain of any team. But yeah, technically they're the only players who are supposed to talk to the referees, and that of course is not actually the case. Uh, but but you know, in yeah. some countries, England is one of them, especially that there's there's a certain the captain is also supposed to be sort of the representative of the team. He he's the face of the the organization. I know in Arsenal's case, he apparently has a, a column in the game program. He writes a little or somebody writes with his name attached oh. to at least a little a little message for the fans. <laughs> right. Some of them do. Some of them right. don't. I mean, you know, Mar- you know, Martin Odegaard probably is fine. I'm sure his English is good. But, you know, when it was when it was Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, whose first language was French, I don't know how much of that he actually wrote. So. You know, I'm sure it depends, but or perhaps he'd write it in French and then have someone translate it, perhaps. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, I say, and hope in answering these questions of the captain, I hope you're you've made sure your father-in-law is a subscriber now. <laughs> he doesn't know what a podcast is. <laughs> well, there's only one way to learn, isn't there? That's that's true. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so, uh, assuming no further comments about this match, uh, I, I'm assuming you're probably as anxious as I am to talk about Liverpool. Ha <laughs> ha, this will be fun. 
Yeah. So final scores. So this was, oh, I'm so anxious to jump to the final score because it turned out well, but this is match number nine. It occurred as we record yesterday on Sunday, October 9th, 2022. The final score was Arsenal three versus Liverpool two. Uh, it was a nail biter of a game. It stayed pretty even throughout. There was never more than a one point gap uh, that I recall. And um, my, <laughs> my entry into this game was, very stunted and surprising. I didn't know what was going on. So I start the stream. So I was watching it this morning, the 10th, the, the morning after is when I watched the first half and then I watched the second half uh, later in the afternoon. And I start the replay, as they call it, on Peacock. And it starts with Martinelli running away from the goal, hands in the air, like he just scored. And I'm thinking, wait a second, is this is this like a, a highlight from a previous game? What am I watching? And then I look at the game clock and I see it. No, it, the, the stream happened to start one minute in, which maybe has happened before. And maybe I just don't pay particular attention because typically not all that much happens in the first minute. But this time it just so happened it started a minute late for some reason. That's kind of inexcusable. I don't know how they just lose a minute of the game when they're uh, playing it from a recording. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, that's yeah. that. I was about to say when you when you told me about that, I was I you're looking at this pre-show. I was like, well, you then you missed one of the good parts. <laughs> one minute in. Oh, no. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, yeah, so he happens to score at one minute in, which just further made it even more gobsmacking. And so I didn't see the goal live. Like I, I saw it live-ish. <laughs> I had uh, to yeah. see it in the replay. I didn't see it as it transpired. Um, yeah, that's, that. you know, it's interesting because I, I actually did pull up. I was I was looking at the replay a little before we came on just to, to catch a couple things. Um, and it started to me, it started on time. You know, they were doing their last little bit of pregame right. talk. The players were all lined up and they kicked off. And it was like, okay, we're rolling. And, uh, you know, so I, that's, that's interesting. I don't know what happened on, on your end there. That's, uh, robbed you so it robbed you of the moment there sorry about yeah, that yeah it was yeah it was it was very surprising and i tried exiting the stream and then restarting it and it just seemed like that's where it wanted to start so i, I have no mm. explanation well i i have an i must say so i have a, a story of struggle struggle in that goal as well so as as everyone well knows i i watch the games with a with a group that collects in a in a bar um which we were for, you know, we're in first place. Liverpool's a big team. It was a big game. It was also 1030. So a, like a good hour as opposed to some of the like the 630 last week's Spurs game was. <laughs> so we were quite crowded. Um, a goal a minute in, in a big game generates a lot of excitement the glass I was holding. Uh, I was bumped and it dropped from my hand, oh, no. broke on the oh. on the floor. So not only do I have beer now stained on my on on my shirt, but also I tried to you know wave the bartender over. Also try to grab some of the pieces. I was nicked by some glass. Uh, oh no! The bar yeah. So I mean, of course, I did. Just in case my mother listens to this, I did the safe thing. I went into the bathroom, <laughs> doused my hand in in soap and hot water. Um, you know, held held towels on it until it until it you know stopped up. Um. Also, of course, this being, you know, right after COVID, everybody's got a hand sanitizer everywhere. So I was my my hand is yeah. is is fine. But as I said, I, I'm playing hurt tonight. Ooh. So uh, I'll be but I will be <laughs> fine. So that was that was goal number one. This story's not over, by the way. But uh, <laughs> that was goal number one. Oh, boy. 
Well, yeah. So the the hand sanitizer had to sting as you put that on your wound. That that's, it is not. Bad. It's it's not the most pleasant feeling in the world. But uh, yeah. but I but you know it's the worst part is that so they're not very deep cuts. They're like they're like paper cuts, and so they actually do sting quite a bit in that way that paper cuts tend to sting. But yeah, um, ooh. <laughs> but I'm but I you know I'm I'm bandaged up and I'm good. Good, good, good to hear. So <laughs> rub some dirt on it and. Uh, <laughs> Is that the George Carlin technique? More uh, target practice for your immune system. I, I mean, just an old, just sort of old school. <laughs> rub some dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this uh, this match was really neck and neck. We were one nil for a long time until uh, Liverpool knocked one in. I don't know if you want to uh, recall that one. I don't remember the circumstances. So, and I think this goes to something else we were talking about, uh, you know, sort of in our, our little pre-show about the, the notion of, of offside and, and there, why there were so many in the game. So, you know, this game was very interesting tactically, and, and I'm referencing a lot of this. I saw it at the time, but I also was reading about it. Um, for those of you who subscribe to The Athletic, uh, I think you'll really, you'll really enjoy that. You'll enjoy this. There's an article by Michael Cox, who's their, their big tactics writer for, for soccer. What he talks about is that both teams were playing a high defensive line. So we, we saw last week with, with Spurs and a little bit with United how deep they were playing, right? Defensively, they were sitting back trying to be defensive and catch Arsenal on the break. Arsenal was playing a very high right. defensive Close, line. Closer to the goal. Exactly. Where you know Arsenal's defense yeah. was right up near the half line. They're a high. They're up high up the field. Liverpool is doing the same thing because Liverpool is also a very aggressive pressing team. It's a slightly different style than than what Arsenal does. Uh, it's 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 a different thing from their manager Jurgen Klopp. But it's they're two very aggressive teams. You know, the, the, this game was never going to end one nil. This this game has three <laughs> two written all over it. And and so what you saw a couple times there is Arsenal was getting caught on Liverpool's breaks uh, because the defenders were so high up the field. So on the goal, you see Gabriel tries to make a play on the ball and he misses, and that opens up space for Liverpool to go the other way. So it's um, right there were and there were a few other cases where, where both sides a couple of last ditch tackles. I mean you saw that as well with 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 Arsenal's goal that they both goals in the first half, they get the ball, they push forward and, and Liverpool is tracking back and trying to find players rather than being in position. Right. Right. Yeah, so in a sense, that, yeah. so in a sense there's, yeah, there's a sense that they're, they're really two, two sides of the same coin in, in, in the way that that, you know, that goal really is illustrative of some of the issues. And to a certain extent, I think, I don't remember their, their second goal quite as well, but I think that was part of that and there might have been just been a turnover. I'd have to I'd have to see that one again. Uh, their their second goal, Liverpool's, right? Yeah. So uh, so moving on to the second half, because yeah, so the the first half was bookended by Arsenal goals, like in the first minute and the last minute. <laughs> Not only the last minute, but like at the end of five minutes of uh, overtime, like or what do they call stoppage, stoppage time. time play? Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was really something. Um, but they ended on a high note. It, it was a huge goal because I yeah. thought Arsenal was the better team in the half. But you know, to be the better team and to essentially give up the goal on one just just goof, basically, you know, that kind of stings, especially given the quality that Liverpool has and, and you know the the stage of the game. So to then grab that goal late just changes the complexion of, of halftime so much. Um, that oh, was a, sure. that was a so in terms of game momentum, it's a it's a huge goal. Oh, sure. And it was really fascinating to me. Th during the halftime commentary, they pointed out 
Arsenal had drastically less possession time in that first half, even though they capitalized on what they had more. It was something like 37% to 63% or something like really lopsided, like literally mm-hmm. two to one. Um, so that makes it even more impressive that they managed to turn more of those into goals. But And you saw a lot of that, you know, like they had a lot of possession against, say, Tottenham because they have to do so much of that passing around the box, passing around the box, finding spaces. Whereas against mm-hmm. Liverpool, in a lot of cases, what they're doing is they're getting the ball and breaking quickly the other way so they get a shot off so quickly. Uh, Liverpool was a little slower and it looked like in, their, in some of their build-up play. So, you know, possession is one of those interesting stats. It can tell you a lot, but it can also skip a lot. You know, they I that's one of those <laughs> yeah. where I looked at it's one of those where I watched it and said, okay, yeah, Liverpool has a lot of possession, but I don't really feel like they're they're controlling the flow of this game. Arsenal, I think, is definitely the aggressor here. Yeah. Yeah, so moving into the second half, um, the biggest thing that stands out to me, and we'll get to the rest, but um, the injury that uh, Gabriel Jesus sustained was very scary to me. It's the only time I've seen so far watching these professional matches. It's the only time I've seen a player would appear to be unconscious. I mean, he hit the ground face down and was not responsive as definitely Arsenal players and possibly even players from the other team were kind of like patting him and trying to get a response. Uh, that was that was a little scary. It seems like he turned out OK, but there may have been some kind of brain event there. I, you know, I don't know. We were watching the replay, and it, it, yeah, definitely, he definitely goes down. Uh, he, it was kind of odd, but I, I it, yeah, certainly in the moment, he goes down pretty hard, and there, guys are waving people on. Like it, you know, there was definitely a, a scariness to it. But right, but he seemed to be fine. He got up. He kept playing for a little bit longer. Um, it looked like yeah, for a lot longer. He was he was in at least another fifteen twenty minutes. I think. After, yeah, it, it kind of looked like half. yeah, because I mean because because Odegaard was down as well, and there were there were a lot of shouts where I was to you know to stop the game. Odegaard's yeah. down, like you know, that, and the referee has discretion right. to stop for injuries. And basically, looks like it looked like Jesus tripped over him essentially. Um, it may have been. It also looked like the player who was following him. It's like the elbow glanced his jaw or something. Yeah. It was what appeared to be a fairly light blow, but then maybe when his head hit the ground, the way he landed, that may have knocked him out or something. It could be. I mean, but, you know, it's one of those. It looks like a light blow, but eh, I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks yeah, like it, but you don't know. Yeah. Uh, there was. Uh, yeah, that was that. It, you know, it certainly was scary. I mean, obviously, the you know. I think pretty quickly we sort of realized it, it, it was clear he like wasn't uh, he wasn't unconscious you know it wasn't right. that ba- that kind of bad. Right. Of they, course, they got they him worried. sitting back upright pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. And, and you know at that point the real concern is okay Jesus is is a really important guy to us is he really hurt and so the fact that he came oh, up sure. and kept playing is is you know is is definitely a relief and a, and a good sign. Oh yeah, that was definitely part of me being scared about it. I was I was worried for his health and safety, but also yeah, he, he has such a critical role in the team that that's scary for that reason also. Absolutely. So yeah, so uh, then you know uh, Liverpool brought it back to tie it up at two two, and it stayed that way until the cringe inducing penalty <laughs> that Liverpool committed inside the penalty box. That was uh, Saka had a high pressure situation there. Okay, well, before we get to the kick, and we can talk about the kick, um, what did you think of the penalty call? It was not super obvious that, well, it's like, (laughs) it it seemed like it was a penalty. It just, I guess it was unfortunate that it was a fairly minor penalty that wouldn't have ever resulted in a yellow card or even certainly a red card. It just happened to be close to the goal. I mean, I guess 
also what may have factored into the referee calling it too is they had a lot of heat coming toward that goal. Like there's a very good chance if he hadn't been knocked down that they could have turned that into a goal opportunity anyways. So that was my takeaway was they were kind of like, well, look, you guys could have scored. He did hit you. Here's your penalty kick. Was that what you took away from it? Uh, I mean, to to me, it's a foul. There there was some talk post-game about that it was a soft penalty, which I, he commits a foul. He he clatters into Jesus. I forgot which, mm-hmm. which Liverpool players. He clatters into Jesus. He doesn't make contact with the ball. That's a foul, and it's in the box. That's that's a penalty. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and you know, the referee, referee points right to the spot. There's no hesitation. There's nothing where he's... You know, he, he's not thinking about it or asking VAR. He, he points right to the spot. So he saw it right away. Um, sure. So to me, you know, again, I, I, and this is one of those I look at. I mean, on some level, is it soft? I mean, certainly you're right. Like, I've seen much worse not get called. But, I, you know, Arsenal's also, we've, we've gotten called for those penalties too. That, that's, that's a penalty. And, right. you know, and it, and it led to ultimately what I think was a fair result with the way the game played out. Yeah. Yeah. So what a kick by Saka. That was, he hit the corner. It was, it was an amazing penalty kick. Oh yeah. I, I mean, and, and, you know, to Alisson's credit, he guesses right. He, he dives. That's, yeah. you know, he's, he it was, was right there. out of reach. There's yeah. There's nothing he could have done. I'd, you know, that's what they say. They always, when you're practicing corners, that's what they tell you is aim for the corner. They always aim for the corners. Sure. Cause it's the, it's the farthest away for the keeper. Um, yep. And sometimes even going lower, and we may have talked about this. Sometimes going lower is better because mm-hmm. it's harder for some of the, especially these keepers are big guys. They're really they're really tall, really long. So for them to get down and stretch all the way is sometimes more difficult than to stretch out to the top corner and leap. So, um, but yeah, sure. a great great. But kick. I guess and it's again, also it's also probably a riskier tactic though, right? Because when you're trying to hit a corner, you're also really close to the pole. <laughs> You might you might hit the post and or clear you know go wide of the post altogether. So it's it's a little bit riskier, but when you can execute, that's the way to go. It, it can be. I mean, you know, this is the, you get into these guys are professionals. You know, for this these are the kind of people who amuse themselves in practice by trying to hit the posts. Um, sure. You know, so the, so in terms of accuracy, now you add in the pressure to that accuracy, and it's definitely exactly yeah right. I you know it's it, it, and you're in that moment, and it's it's there's a lot going through your mind, especially because as we've talked about this as a, as a shooter, this situation is set up for you to score. It is tailor made for you to score mm-hmm. a goal. So if you don't, it's really embarrassing. Uh, and of course, well, exactly, it's, it's, right. And of course it's Bukayo Saka who takes it. Um, you know, and we've talked about this, you know, coming back from the penalty miss with England last summer, um, you know, and to do it in in a game like this, he was he was excellent today. Uh, he's he's been, you know, his his numbers haven't been great. You know, he doesn't have a lot of goals or you know or points, but the way he he was good on Sunday, and he got two goals uh, as a reward for yeah. that. So, and he's just a he's just an excellent player. That's just a really. It's, it's also funny. It's also funny you bring up the penalty miss from a couple years ago, and or maybe even a few years ago now, and. Um, When we first talked about that, it was probably on our first episode we recorded, it didn't really necessarily sink into me the situation with a penalty kick and how embarrassing it really would be. And I could imagine the ridicule from from Mm -hmm. the fans over that. So, yeah, that that hits home even more now seeing it. And especially in his case, because it was I mean, because he missed, 
the game was over. He missed, and Italy won, England lost. So that was right. So I mean, it, it speaks to you know again, he's he's twenty one, right? And so to have gone through all of that and and to have that moment and just you know, it, it just confidently professionally finish that off in a game of the this magnitude with that crowd. I mean, that's 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 just yeah. awesome. It's just great. I also I also imagine having that happen to him, I, I could bet that he's probably practiced penalty kicks more than anybody else on the team since then. It's <laughs> it's possible. At all yeah. as competitive as I imagine he'd has to has to be. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be. And you know, it, it sort of adds a little bit of a layer. You know, people have talked about this with the World Cup coming, there's gonna be a big break. This is all really weird. You're getting you're coming in in a very weird season. <laughs> Like frankly, it's been three years. It's been three years since anything was normal about any of this, of course. Um, right. <laughs> but but you know, for, for breaking the World Cup, I mean, obviously the concern is, oh, you hope guys don't get hurt. But there's another. There is a mental side to it. Like, what if you're Gabriel Jesus, you miss a penalty, and Brazil goes out in the quarterfinals? I mean, that's that's a massive mental like thing to have on you, right? And and. At least with the Euros, you know, the Euros ended, I want to say, in I say it was mid-July. And then the season didn't start until mid-August. So you had like a month to, to be with the team, be in preseason, get back into it. You know, with this, the, the World Cup ends, I think it's the 19th of December. And their first game is Boxing yeah. Day, is December 26th. Like, you, you are right back in yeah. it. And so it'd be very curious to see where some guys are mentally coming back from the World Cup. Uh, depending on their performance, their team's performance, even if they're physically healthy, which of course we're all hoping for as well. Yeah, interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. So, uh, any uh, any final words about the Liverpool match? Um, you know, I uh, let me ask this: when when you watch the game, I mean, what did you think of Liverpool just in general as a team, as players? Well, what did I you think, think the the biggest thing. Yeah, the biggest thing that I probably noticed was the the high volume of offsides, which did start to affect Arsenal also, but it definitely started off with a few earlier ones from Liverpool. But they seemed pretty like a pretty good club. They seemed like they were pretty evenly matched. It wasn't. It, it was. It was very neck and neck. I think uh, both of their strategies played off well against each other. I guess is what it seemed like. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's interesting because Liverpool's sitting down in tenth in the table, um, and they're they're which they're I, well, I heard, yeah, yeah, which which is interesting. So you know, for the last like five, four or five years, Liverpool has been the only legitimate competition to Manchester City. They have hmm. been a they they've they won the league in 2020. They won the league in the COVID season, which they won it in an empty stadium after they restarted at you know in the summer after after lockdowns had had begun but they the title was already theirs in march like the season was effectively over it was just a question of when they were going to clinch they were absurdly good um last year and i think two or three years ago they finished a single point behind manchester city like a couple of years Hmm. ago they they had they finished the season with 99 points which is the second most in the history of the premier league but Manchester City had a hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy, and they had that match a few weeks ago where they won nine nil. Oh yeah, I mean part yeah. Well, Southampton Southampton has games like that where they get blown. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times to them. That's kind of weird, but yeah, I, they're. I mean, last year they were they won the FA Cup and the League Cup. 
they lost the Premier League on the last day of the season. Like they finished a point behind, I think a point or two behind City, and they lost the final of the Champions League. They were quite literally 90 minutes away from a quadruple, winning four major trophies in a season which has never been done in England. That's they they are they Uh. have been absurdly good for the last couple of years. And so for them to be down in 10th, I mean, there's some they're having some real interesting conversations about the state of their roster. I mean, their man, you know, Jurgen Klopp, their manager has done an excellent job and he'll be, they're not going to fire him. I, anything like that, but uh, you know, it's a real question. Are their guys just worn out? Are they just having a bunch of bad luck? Are they, are they maybe getting too old? You know, they're, they're kind of an interesting yeah. place and they've, for the last few years, frankly, they've hammered us. Um, hmm. They, they had a, the, the big one was with them was, uh, if you, if you watched All or Nothing, we talked about this. This was the it was the game at Anfield in Liverpool where Arteta played. You'll never walk alone above the the soundspeaker, trying to get yes. them to yeah. He's trying to get the players wrapped up in that. But with Liverpool, you know, you play them close. It's tight. You're only down one nil. You can hang with this. And then five minutes later, it's three nil Liverpool. What what the heck happened? Where did that all come from? Um, right. I mean, you know. It was a kind of a surprise start. Tom, Tomoyasu came in at uh, was there at, at left back, and and he was lined up a, a lot against Mohamed Salah, who's just an excellent player. And and yeah. Mo Salah didn't do anything in this game. Diego no. Jota, who I, so one of their guys, Diego Jota, has you know been a pain in our side since he's come over. One of the one of the guys I was talking to in the bar during the game, you know, in somewhere in the middle of the second half, said. Yota, when when did Yota come on? Wait, I haven't seen I haven't seen him all day. And he looks at his phone, looks at the line, and goes, <laughs> "He started. He's been on the field the entire time." Yeah. I haven't. I mean, they you know they took some of these guys out of the game, and it's really, you know, that it, it just really a credit to again a credit to the defense. It feel it's hard to credit the defense and yeah. where you give up two goals, but to contain Liverpool like that, to to assert themselves against Liverpool like that, it's it's a emotionally there's a lot of heft that goes into this so that it just made it so much more fun sure. um I'll, I'll add also since we're I'm relating bar stories after the second goal uh-oh the guy next to me was very excited he didn't it what he was he didn't toss it in the air but definitely <laughs> vigorously raised his his glass and most of the contents ended up on me which was not what uh. i was expecting so that oh, was boy. uh that I mean, it was a it was a wild day in <laughs> Liverpool games are wild, man. Liverpool games are just crazy yeah, stuff you, happens. With you'll Liverpool. have to look out for that guy the next time. And yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I I'm glad that we had the discussion about you'll never walk alone a few episodes ago because I actually noticed when they were showing the Liverpool crest in in the on screen graphics that you'll never walk alone is actually in a banner atop the, their crest. Oh yes, it's, it is. I didn't know what that was their song. Yes, that is a that is it is embedded really in the in the the history and the culture of the, of that club. So, just a, another question that occurred to me actually uh, during this match was I notice when I go down because I'm playing keeper, I, I hit the grass a lot when when I'm playing my matches, and my knees, my jersey, like everything is grass stained a lot it doesn't seem like the professional players, like if you're looking closely, you'll see a little bit, but not anywhere near what I'd expect, given the way that you see them like skidding along the grass. Sometimes is it the grass or their jerseys that 
causes that not to happen. That, that's that's kind of funny. Like they they have something better going on. Uh, I, I I suspect I, my first thought was well I see that was kind of what you said is that I I see them with grass stains I don't think it's a big thing I I suspect though it's probably the grass itself I mean if if you look at the fields yeah those are highly manicured very specific types of grass you know that are you know you know bred for these kind of athletic fields whereas I'm guessing what you're playing on is you know sure. just an open field somewhere basically. Um, Basically, right? Yeah. So, so I think it's. I, I think there might be something to it. The grass itself, because the jerseys. I mean, you can you can buy their jerseys. You know that, right? That what you buy in the store yeah. is essentially what they're wearing, and so that you can. And I'm. I, I don't roll test, around yeah. in the grass in my. <laughs> I don't roll around in the grass in my shirt, but I suspect. Yeah, if I did, I did. I'd probably get some stains on it. Uh, right. So actually, I was thinking about it. Actually, it might be the grass. I mean, it could also just be the television where, you know, there. if you were to actually look at the shirt after the mm. game, you'd see stains all over it. Whereas as you sort of watch them run around and moving and stuff, well, maybe not so much. Their shorts probably are very much more done up. Right. And the shorts are where I was really focusing because they're white. You would think that yeah. you would see the grass on there. It's just a funny thing that I was thinking about. But um, the the other question I wanted to ask about is we've talked a lot about Manchester City. Um, I noticed that next week we're going to be playing Leeds United, I believe. Yes. And I know there's also a Manchester United and a Manchester City. What what do those terms mean? Like, so if, if a city like Manchester has, or is it a city? I guess would be my first question. I don't know much about the geography. Like, where, where do those names come from and why are there both for, for an area? Uh, so it's it's just going to depend. Every club has its own sort of history. A name like City, one, does draw attention to the metropolitan area, uh, Manchester City, Birmingham City, uh, Hull City is another one uh, that's been in the league before. Uh, sometimes it's just a way of drawing attention. I mean, a lot of names take Liverpool, for example. They're Liverpool Football Club. They're the football club based in Liverpool, right. uh, you know, so in some right. ways that where in America, we have this very strict or very straight uh, style of, you know, location and nickname. So the New York Giants, yep. the Houston Astros, they, we we add those things together. A lot of these teams, you know, or you have names like Arsenal. <laughs> which is no, you know, just yep. has no yep. connection to geography or anything like that. Um, so. Yeah, some of it's in terms of city, a lot of it's related to their history. United typically means that they were formed out of the union of two or more previous clubs. I think, I think in the case of Manchester oh, okay. United, there's actually two teams that actually organizationally merged and it did this in the late 19th century. So this is a long time ago. <laughs> right, um, right. I think Leeds, I think as, as an interesting one, Leeds is actually a fairly large city. But has traditionally, unlike, say, Liverpool, which has Liverpool and Everton, uh, Manchester, of course, has two big clubs. And a lot of these have some smaller clubs in the area. And London's got London's got six clubs in the Premier League, plus another six or seven in the championship that could easily come up. Um, you know, so th- sure. a lot of them will have a couple of teams. But Leeds is, is a fairly large city, which has traditionally only had one team. And so I think, as mm. I understand it, you know, in the case of Leeds, United is was a deliberately chosen name talk about we're the we're we're what unites the city this club hmm. so that's i believe is where that is where that idea comes from in their case but a lot of times it generally refers to the union of several clubs sometime in the sand yeah. in the distant fog of the past right 
Cool. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Uh, yeah, United has more meaning now. I, I understand what is United. Former clubs are United. Mm-hmm. So, so what's coming up next week? Uh, once again, two games this week. Uh, Thursday, Europa League, our third group game. We'll be up in Norway to face Bodo Glimt again. And then Sunday uh, against um, America's Sweethearts at Leeds. So a lot of Americans on the field uh, huh. coming up on Sunday. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places. And we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with your friends or fathers-in-law. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.